everyone, and welcome to the CX Matters podcast. My name is Justin Tippett, CEO of AXPA, and in this particular podcast, we are going to be talking to one of the top CX people in the world and also AXPA board member, Scott Downing. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. Nice to be here. Wonderful to have you on the show. Now, in this particular episode, we're going to be talking about the founda- how to build the foundations of a CX program, um, because I know it's a topic that a lot of people are probably grappling with as CX, I guess, emerges as a as a discipline. And, and having been there, done that a couple of times, Scott, I thought it'd be a great conversation for us to have to give people some really good tips on what they need to do just to get started. Awesome. And it is the million dollar question. You're right. And I think um, the first sort of challenge that I've had in the past is really understanding what we really mean by customer experience. So, um, you know, are we talking about purely customer support and when they contact us through either written or verbal or chat, you know, into that into our frontline teams? Or are we talking about the more systemic view of what the customer experience is when they touch, you know, like our brand, our price, product, service, all of those drivers that um, really impact the service for the customer? And that's one thing you've got to be really clear on before you set out on this journey. Otherwise, you could be trying to boil the ocean or you're completely misaligned with the leadership team for the company that you work for. Yep, yep. There we go. There's a tip right to get started. So I think in this particular podcast, we're going to put the former to one side and say this is the latter. We are talking about how uh, customers interact with an organization, that broader CX piece, um, and giving some people some tips on what they need to do to get started. Because even when we just talk CX uh, and our definition of CX, there's still a lot to do and a lot to consider, right? So uh, let's get into it. Uh, Tip number one, Scott, how do people get started? Tip number one is understand who your customer is. So um, depending on the organization you work for, you could be in a B2C or a B2B or a B2B2C type of organization. Who are you actually focusing on? And there could be multiple customer personas, but really start small, choose who the customer is. So are we talking about the person that purchased your product, for example, if it's a SaaS product or is are you talking about all of the users that may contact you for help and support so really decide who is the customer that you focus on or the multiple personas that you're wanting to achieve um, and I think once you do that and you're really clear then it because you're starting to narrow in on where to take action but again back to the the tip is be really transparent that that's where you're starting to build your program of work and make sure that your leadership team are clear on that. Because the last thing you want is you saying, hey, you know, like every person with this persona, their NPS has gone up by X. And then your CEO goes, mm, but what about all of these people? <laughs> you know, and then you're completely misaligned. Yeah. Um, so you've really got to understand who your customer is and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Okay. So if we expand that out a little bit in terms of understanding who your customers are, you mentioned one little uh, little nugget there around customer personas. Is, is that a, a good place to start in getting to know your customers, having to actually develop some customer personas if they don't exist already? I think it depends on where you're at in your own sort of journey. So um, if you have customer personas already in your business, then great, you're ahead of the curve and you can decide to choose, again, like I said, sort of like baby steps, which persona has the most opportunity within it. So are you choosing to focus on the persona that is mainly made up of a large percentage of detractors? Or are you going to focus on you want to move the the customer persona that's got mainly passives and you want to try and move them up into being advocates? So really make an informed choice of which group of customers you're wanting to work on. 
Then once you've done that, and this is um, a phrase that I really like, is starting to become a lot more common in the industry, which is about taking an outside in view of the world. Yeah. And what I mean by that is get to know your customers because historically, and I don't think any of, well, I know none of us have done this like with ill intent or professional malpractice for want of a better phrase what we've done is gone right okay we can fix this mm. so i think if we do this it's going to move these numbers by that and i'm going to do all of these things and i need hey marketing you need to do that for me and product i'm going to need you to do that for me then what we do is we set off on this mammoth journey of fix and very often what we're doing is just doing bad things better because we're deciding what our customers want hopefully based on data but not with any engagement for that customer or with that customer sorry so that would be an inside out view what i mean by an outside in view is actually go and be with your customers so um when i worked at injury quickbooks we had a process called follow me home and this was a global thing that everyone did and it was actually the foundation that the company was built on um so i'll share a little story so the founder of injury scott cook um, actually created the entire business because he watched his wife sat at their kitchen table doing her books right. and he realized how difficult it was. And he kept saying to her, why are you doing it like that? Why are you doing it like that? Show me why you're doing it like that. Long story short, that's what a follow me home is. And that actual kitchen table is actually in head office, in reception, where you can go and sit and have meetings at in Silicon Valley. Because awesome. It's so <laughs> fundamental to the basis of how the business is built. Yeah. So... The way that a follow me home works and you know anyone can do this is you go to watch the business uh, the business and people using your product or service in their environment if you can obviously that was difficult in covid or sometimes due to geographical limitations you'll do it through zoom or some other form mm. um, but you just watch them for an hour use the product or service you don't ask them questions you don't help them if they get stuck and at the end of it then you'll have a set of questions to ask them like why did you do it in that order or did you know that was there and yep. that the, the customer starts saying i didn't know i could do that or i didn't know that you do that you're already starting to get to the second stage of building a customer program which is tactical programs of work so it could be training every customer that does x flow doesn't know how to do it mm. there we go then let's train them to do it the actual root cause is if it's not intuitive enough in the product then we've got a different problem it's a ux problem yep. so you can see there's multiple ad avenues you can go down but you're going down them because the customer is driving the program of work rather than you defining it from within inside your system or business yep fantastic now there's a lot to unpack here already in just that stuff you've said so uh let me rewind a little bit um Sorry. <laughs> no 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 it was, it was great um and i'm sure everyone who's listening is going wow my head's spinning already right because you mentioned a few things uh and one of those was detractors some passives and some promoters so we're clearly talking about some net promoter stuff um here so we we are going to touch on that in a different podcast so if you want to learn more about the net promoter side of things please tune in because it is a program that is, is used in a lot of uh, businesses um but you also mentioned you know the personas so uh, customer personas and developing customer personas and you know some companies have already got it but um, you know the reality is a lot don't um so we will unpack that uh differently there's already some articles and a template available on the expo website if people are, are listening already and want to learn more about um the persona side of things um 
And then you've mentioned the whole ethnographic side of things, right? So observing customers in their natural environment. And I, and I 100% agree with you. I think, you know, we're great at sending out surveys, aren't we? You know, we'll send out, you know, 500,000 surveys and go, yeah, we've engaged with our customers. We know what's going on. Um, but yeah, the reality is, no, you probably don't. And uh, I know it's probably one of your pet peeves as well, Scott, is, um, you know, if you're actually not even going to respond to those surveys and do anything with them, you may as well not bother doing them, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think you know we again we hear the phrase closed loop or d double closed loop. Um, I hear a lot of colleagues or see it in a lot of businesses where um, people talk about that, but is it actually there in practice? You know, you should be building your workflows within your CRM or within your CX platform to be doing that for you automatically. Um, you know, and it goes back to the first question: What do we mean by CX? Good CX could just be acknowledging that you've given us a detractor score and you've given us some feedback related to the product or our service model or our service individuals and acknowledging that that's closing the loop you know but i you know like i think we're all probably a bit nerdy in this industry whereas if i get a link for a survey i'll i'll take it because i want to see what questions they're asking but more importantly <laughs> i actually want to see what they do with it yeah. and i would say one percent of the time i get something back yeah one percent of the time so are you doing anything with it? You know, I'm not smart enough to remember what score I gave every time for the same organization, but you, you'll probably, or I probably know I'm giving the same feedback. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I stopped, I stopped replying after a while and I'm someone that wants to complete the surveys. Yep, no, I'm the same. I can't help myself when they uh, come through. And I, I agree, it's it's just appalling the the lack of uh, feedback you ever get from completing a survey. And some of them are quite staggering. I don't want to digress too much on these podcasts, but you know, they'll send you a, a, a thing and it takes you 15 minutes, half an hour or something ridiculous to, to do your survey and you do it. There's no nothing in it for you other than the opportunity to give some feedback and then you never hear a thing from it. And you think, why would I bother? Like, why would I give up yeah. half an hour of my time just for, for nothing? So anyway, we can rant about that in another one so all right so a good tip for people uh that first tip is get, get to know your customers know the customers that you're talking about uh for your cx program um so we're going to tick the box and say maybe we've got some personas maybe we've even got some measures in place so we know the current level of uh of satisfaction or otherwise with our base whether it's net promoter score or, or another metric uh what's another tip that you can give people to get these foundations right so I think once you know what customer base or what customer segment and population you're wanting to work with, and you've got that data, which is telling you some opportunities for improvement because you've done that with customers. And obviously you're going to use data from inside your own business. You know, be really clear, are you going to use experience data as well as operational data? And I think from my perspective, you should, because there is a direct correlation between the two. Um, and I'll just give you one example there, which I tend to use all the time is if you see NPS, if that's if that's the measure of choice in your service channels, if you see NPS drop at a certain period of time when your operational data tells you that call wait times were four times higher than normal or your service level agreement, mm -hmm. then you need to join that operational data to that experience data because you've now got something to work on, yep. which is call wait times impacts the experience. So that's the second piece of the sort of the puzzle for me. First one is understand your customers from an outside in perspective. The mm -hmm. second piece is like build tactical programs of work based on the data that you gained around your customers with them and your operational data and start to join it together. 
And I think what I say to build tactical pieces of work is um, you should always have your CX strategy. You should know what your key foundation, like your big pillars of work are, what you're trying to achieve. But within that, you need tactical things because as most of us will have experienced over time, particularly if you're seeking funding from your organization to buy things like a CX platform or a new CRM to give you a holistic view of the customer, they're going to, the business is what going to want to know when they're getting return on investment, particularly yep. your CFO. So what you need to do with the tact, these tactical pieces of work is, like I said, get your data, get your measures, and then know where you're moving that measure to. Um, but it should always be based in real data. Um, and to do that, you've got to make sure you're understanding what you're measuring. Yep, um, and I think the, the reason I say build tactical pieces is, um, and I learned this the hard way a couple of times, um, particularly in when I started on the CX journey, is you come up with this wonderful thing of everything you need to do, whether it's right or wrong, and you go out and you try to achieve all of it. And then all of a sudden, like I say, people in the business are going what's the return on all this work you've got x number of people or i've given you x thousand dollars you know like when am i going to start to see something back whereas if you try and do um smaller pieces of work you win you have small wins and you can celebrate them and then your executive team start to see the value that you're adding so um i always sort of say i would rather do 10 one percenters than one 10 percenter particularly in the early days of building your cx program because people see you achieving things that you've committed to and then you obviously celebrate success so the cx program starts to afford itself the credibility and the right to ask for more resource or funding Yep. And, and, and I think if, you, if you're listening or watching this, if you take nothing away from this podcast, uh, that is probably the tip that you need to do. You need to get some small wins uh, on the board, right, Scott? Because as you said, a lot of people just, you know, it's the, we'll do the elephant, you know, we're just going to shift this whole organization and we're going to, everyone's going to be promoters and we're going to be amazing. But there's just so many components that go into achieving that. And, and you're right. I think as an industry, we've really struggled to articulate the value that we add at a ROI level to an organization. And, and if you can get some quick wins on the board and just say, you know what, we, we did some research, we found this, this is what we put in place and we've seen it go from A to B and that's delivered an X percentage increase in productivity or reduced turnover or, you know, more spend, whatever it might be, you're going to get that buy-in to, to do some more projects, right? And build your team around you. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, again, you hit the nail on the head there, Justin. It's like, don't just focus on, um, which is the third point that I'm going to talk about is like, don't just focus on the experience metric. Mm. So, you know, different people in the business are going to want to hear different things, you know, and you gave a great example there. They're like, try and balance it between an employee number, a customer number and a financial number. Because I always use, I sort of use the analogy of, you know, like it's, it's a three legged stool, you know, and you, people were prepared to sit on that stool if it's got three legs. You take one away, people start asking questions because it's not fit for purpose. Mm. And you want your CX program of work to be fit for purpose for the entire organization because people in finance or support functions or product and engineering, if you're in that type of industry, mm. they don't understand and don't need to understand the metrics that you're talking about. They know MPS, whether it's good or bad, whether it's yep, you know, yep, like yep. a zero versus a 10 but they won't be understanding the levers that, that they're pulling or the work that you're doing so if you can say for example for every one point of mps i go up x dollars come off my cost to serve yeah. and 
call times are going or contact times are coming down because it's easier because we've trained our people so they're happier when they're talking to these customers because they're not shouting the customers aren't shouting at them then you've got three legs on your stool and people start to see that and it becomes real for them because that's the thing you've got to make your program real um you know and that's another thing that i learned the hard way you know you do talk about this big mammoth thing that you want to change and it sounds like you're trying to boil the ocean and change the world Mm. keep it more keep it tactical and people relate to it and people buy into it Yep, yep, there you go. So there's the third tip. And I love that analogy around the stool. I think if that's just something you keep in the back of your mind, that's just, a, it's a, again, another gold nugget for people that you take away one of those uh, legs and you're in trouble. So I think that's a, an excellent tip. Um, I know we've, we've got a bigger workshop on this, Scott, that will be available for people on the AXPA website as well, where it's literally nearly, I think, about an hour uh, session where we really flesh it out in a little bit more detail. But um, give us another tip to throw people on this podcast before we say goodbye. <laughs> So I think the last one is choose your measure, right? So choose what measure you're going to have as your, what I would call your headline or your motherhood metric. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will go into a bit more detail on the other sessions around lead and lag measures and what I mean by that. But if your lag measure is NPS, then make sure everything you do is pushing that NPS in the right direction. So that's basically one of your legs on that stool is NPS. Um, But what you need to be really careful around is being able to articulate that it's the right NPS. So very whistle stop version. And one of the ways that I sort of slice NPS is into three broad categories. So you can have a transactional NPS. So that is on the transaction that you're having today with the organization based on that, how likely are you to recommend the organization? The second one is what I would call an episodic NPS. So it's based on an episode in that customer's life cycle or journey with you as an organization. So an easy one you could call would be the sales process. Within that sales process, I might have spoken to an account executive, an onboarding specialist, and then someone else who signed, signed on the dotted line. I might have had three transactional NPSs about that transaction. But overall, how was that purchasing experience for you? And there would be different questions within there. And the NPS then is based on that episode. And then the final NPS that I would talk about is um, strategic. So that's really your big 25, 30 question survey that you referenced earlier, Justin, that you'd send every six to 12 months to your entire customer base asking very specific questions around your driver model that you have built. So it could be around your brand, your price, your product, for example. Um, And those questions will be very specific. But overall, you're saying based on everything we do for you, how likely are you to recommend? So if you're using MPS as your measure, make sure which one it is. Make sure you're asking it the right question in the right place at the right time. And then obviously, again, we've talked about this already, is don't fatigue customers. So how often do you want to send that survey and what are the contact rules around that? Be very clear on that as well. Yep. Terrific. Wow. Some awesome tips for everyone. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, that MPS uh, podcast as well, because we are going to unpack that in a little bit more detail. So if you are looking at MPS or you're already using MPS, I think you'll get a lot of uh, value out of listening to that uh, podcast as well. And as I touched on, we've also got the the longer workshop that was, is free for all AXPA members. You can just see it, catch it in uh, in your AXPA dashboard. So Scott, thank you for sharing your expertise. Uh, it's a big part of uh, you know what we do at AXPA is just helping people 
learn because I think as an industry, uh, you know, CX is still really in its infancy. And I think, you know, there are no, I think anyway, uh, you know, there's no one who's been doing CX for 30 years. Um, you know, we're all sort of learning as we go along. And I think the more we share uh, all our experiences and learnings, the better off we're all going to be as an industry. So I really appreciate you giving up your your time and your expertise in, in helping people. So thanks. You're and um, we look forward to the next episode. So thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll catch you again on the CX Matters podcast. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye.